Welcome to Catalytic Leadership, the podcast designed to help leaders intentionally grow and thrive. Here is your host, author and leadership and executive coach, Dr. William Attaway. Hey, it's William, and welcome to episode 10 of our first season of the Catalytic Leadership Podcast. Each week, we tackle a topic related to the field of leadership. My goal is to make sure that you have actionable steps that you can take from each episode to grow in your own leadership. As I've heard Craig Rochelle say so many times, when a leader gets better, everybody benefits. Their team, their department, their customers, their clients, their spouse, their kids, everybody. Today, we're going to do what we do every other week, which is interview a leader that I'm calling a catalytic leader spotlight. So today, you'll get the opportunity and the privilege to hear from Tommy Chambly. So today, it is an honor to talk with Tommy Chambly. Tommy is the CEO of First American National Bank in Fulton, Mississippi. But you know, that's not where he started. His journey has been one filled with twists and turns. And hearing his story over lunch, I knew I wanted this to be one that we shared on the podcast as one of our first interviews. Tommy, thank you so much for joining me today. It is an honor to have you on the show. Thank you, William. Appreciate the opportunity to be able to um, speak with you this morning. I'd love for you to share some of your story with our listeners, particularly about your journey and your development as a leader. How did you get started? Well... I don't, I don't have a perfect answer. I kind of sort of got in the way along the path of my professional life, I guess. Um, I've seen a quote one time that said the most essential element of leadership is a talent. It's choosing to lead right from right where you are. Mm. Um, I, I guess I've gotten uh, most of my leadership lessons from unintentional leaders. Mm. Um, my parents, um, we're both janitors. Um, my dad had an eighth grade education. My mom had a seventh grade education. And they um, they both retired janitors at the old Fulton Grammar School. Mm. And uh, so even though it wasn't what, you know, I guess society would call a perfect job, as I grew older, I began to realize um, their passion. You know, and passion's a key word. That's what we express with our company every day. And um, I know my dad used to when I was real little. He said, you know, this place can't operate without me. And I would think in my mind, you know, Daddy, you're a janitor, you know. Yeah. And the older I got, the more I realized, you know, I really couldn't operate without <laughs> him. I, I, I can tell you, William, I can be gone from this company and nobody will know it. All the doors will open. It's no problem at all. <laughs> you let some of our key folks, and when I say key folks, I'm not seg uh, segregating anything of their responsibilities, but you let some of those be gone, and it hiccups the whole company. So mm. as I grew older, um, my goal in life was not to become more successful than my parents, but if I could become as successful mm. as my parents. Mm. Um, and the big thing is because they loved what they done and they were able to touch yeah. so many people in their lives. And yeah. my mom was tragically killed in an automobile accident when she was 68 years old. And, and, and I remember um, 
uh, the local funeral home saying it was one of the most of the one of the largest visitations they could remember. There were some 850 people wow. that come to her visitation, signed the book, and I mean, sign signs the um, well, I guess you call it the book, but um, um, and the thing of it is, this was a lady that was a retired janitor. She never drove oh. in her life, never saw her drive. Um, the only places she went after she retired was church and to get groceries. And so to impact that many people by not ever going anywhere, being a janitor at a school, I thought, you know, impacting people is, is leadership. It it really is. And Mm. so I don't know, like I said, I've had this crazy life. I've been tremendously blessed. Um, 31 years ago, I was working a midnight shift at one of the local manufacturing facilities, Mueller Copper Tube, and planned on being there the rest of my life and mm. um, was praying about an opportunity to work for a, you know, at a day shift job. And so um, got an opportunity with the uh, local power association. Um, but they start, you know, the starting pay there was minimum wage for the first month. So. I was making nine thirteen an hour, and I had to take a job. And this was nineteen ninety one, so minimum wage in ninety one was three dollars and eighty five cents. So mm. complaining about minimum wage today, just go back thirty one years ago. So I made the smart economic decision of taking a job with making nearly six dollars an hour less than what I was currently making. And so I loved the job. Um, and of course, as you were there for a time period, the Pay progressed. Um, I did. I did uh, bid on their mowing. I mowed their uh, all of their substations and both of their offices to make up for the difference in the income. But um, you know, I was blessed. Um, I always thought I told our kids as they were coming up. I think there's two things in life that make you successful, mm. and that's attitude and opportunities. And mm. God will God will provide the opportunities. Guess who the attitudes left up to? So, um, <laughs> So I had some of the people that I was working with at the Power Association uh, approached me about running for political office. And I was 30 years old and um, um, it was for, um, in Mississippi, we have, we don't have county commissioners, we have county supervisors. So they're Mm -hmm. split up in the five districts. And so I run for political office. I was 30 years old and, I don't know. Some way or another, I won. I convinced people to vote for me. I won by nine votes. And during that time period, um, I'd always wanted to finish my degree. I went back to school, um, drove some 300 trips of 80-something miles one way to finish my degree over a two-and-a-half-year period and um, finished my degree at the University of Mississippi. Uh, got into banking, and um, I don't know. The rest The rest is history. That's, um, you know, it's if you would have told me um, 31 years ago, you know, you'd be the CEO of a of a bank. I'd told you it's crazy. But Tommy, I love your story because it's not just up and to the right. You know, it's not something that like you you didn't expect it. You didn't see it coming. And I doubt anybody around you did either. And yet every opportunity that you saw, you leaned into. If this was going to take you one step farther, you leaned into it. And the attitude that you had through all of it, that is such a key to success. I love what you said there, attitude and opportunity. 
and you didn't let either one of those slip outside of your of your control. You said, "Hey, I'm, if I see an opportunity, I'm going to pursue it." And that attitude that you carried through it, what an inspiration! And I mean, to go from where you were at Mueller Brass 31 years ago to where you are now, what a testament! I love that. How would you, and you've seen leadership in so many different contexts through your journey, how would you define leadership? I think basically it's just getting buy-in from others. Um, I know Colin Powell, someone asked him once what the essence of leadership was, and he said, trust. You know, if folks trust you, um, they're going to follow you. You know, I think you set goals. Thank you. Don't only set goals, but you've got to know how you're going to accomplish those with with a team approach. Um, yeah. I, I'm not smart enough to tell our folks, hey, this is your goal. You accomplish it. No, how are we going to accomplish, mm-hmm. accomplish it? Yeah. And, you know, I know. Um, and the thing of it is you will never get there. You, you'll, you'll never. And I, I tell our folks, you never say never, but there's three nevers that I tell our folks and ask for two nevers in return. Um, I'll never ask you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. Mm. It'll never be about me, and I'll never forget where I come from. Mm. And the two others I ask in return is never lose the passion and never peak. So getting Mm. buy-in and trust from others, I think, is a definition. So good. So good. What does leadership look like in your context as a leader of a bank? Well, I think transparency is always the best form of communication. Mm -hmm. Um, We tell our folks, you're going to be empowered and you're going to be informed. Mm -hmm. Um, I know we were were writing our strategic plan, and so we we were going through the SWOT analysis. And, Mm -hmm. of course, most all companies, their strengths are their greatest assets, they're going Mm -hmm. to say, is going to be their employees. Mm -hmm. Um, And they truly are. I mean, you know, the employees are your greatest asset. But guess what the biggest weakness was? Communication. Mm. Well, if your greatest asset is your employees and your biggest weakness is communication, something doesn't add up. And so we started doing things like as we wrote our strategic plan, we shared our strategic plan with our employees, something Mm. we've never done before. And the thing of it is if you don't share your vision, how can you expect someone to buy into it? Hmm. That's good. That's so good. What was the response like? Like when you did this for the very first time and you you shared the strategic vision and you included them in that, what was the response like from your team? So you can do surveys in, in most companies and, and say, okay, what are the most important things, you know, in your job environment or whatever. And, you know, usually pay is going to be like number three on the list. Mm. You know, it's, it's important to the atmosphere, how you, how you make them feel. Do you feel important? Do you? Yeah. So um, I, I guess the result of it was um, our company has had phenomenal growth mm. because everyone feels their part is mm. important and it is important. You know, if I, if I pull up to your church today and never been there before, and I'm going to think who has the most important job, this church, you know, you don't think, well, it's William Adelaide, but you know, and that's fine unless the, 
the doors are locked and we can't get in or the yard needs mowing or the windows need cleaning or the floors need sweeping or whatever, then all of a sudden it becomes those people's are the most important people in that company. So you can never say, hey, um, my job is not important. You know, for mm-hmm. us to exist, your job is important. In your context, what has been your greatest challenge as a leader? I think understanding the importance of the people we lead. Um, mm. I've, I've told our senior management team now, mm. I've drawn on a whiteboard once a ship because leadership, that's truly what you're doing is mm-hmm. leading a ship. Now, William, I'm not an artist. My ship looked more like a banana that had been in a war zone. <laughs> but, um, but the thing about a ship is the employees are the propeller. You know, I don't care what kind of engine you put in a ship, whatever you do, you can go nowhere without the propeller. Mm. And our senior management team, I told them, you know, we're leading the ship. Mm. They are the propeller. We're the anchor. You know, when things get rough, we we have to stabilize things. We're the anchor. The only thing about it is the propeller will never become dead weight. The anchor mm. could be become dead weight, and mm. we never want to be dead weight. That's good. So I think just the greatest challenge is just to make sure that, you know, you, you never lose the importance and understanding of your people. Because, again, going back to are they you're truly your greatest asset? We, yeah. we may say that sometimes, but we don't live it. And saying it without living it, is not going to get the respect from your employees. Hmm. That's good. You know, I talk a lot about building up people and building up teams and the importance of making sure that your team members know they are valued, not just for what they do, but as individuals, as people, as actual 3D human beings who have lives beyond what they do at the office. And what I hear in you is a commitment to that, to seeing people for who they are and investing in them and pouring into them. And I think what you're seeing is people respond to that. They don't just feel like cogs in a machine. They feel like valued members of the team. Yeah, that's right. I, that's, you know, I'm just not smart enough to do it any other way. And I, you know, we, I think we have a phenomenal social media presence and um, we have, you know, have a, um, a, a good crew that puts that together, and but I, I've always said, hey, look, I, I only I only want us to put on social media what's true. I want because mm. when it looks like our folks are having fun, I want it to be they're really having fun or sharing in the community or whatever. I'll tell you from the outside, it looks like you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things I love about watching what's going on through your social media presence. It looks like your team is having fun. And that's not always true with the organizations that I look at. Yeah. You and I met earlier this year to talk about your leadership journey. And that was such an honor to spend some time with you. How have you seen your leadership personally change over time? Well, I would hope the gray equals maturity. Um because, you know, there's been different things that you, you know, there's things you have to do different. I think the key yeah. word in your question is change. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know who your favorite football team is. Um, of course, 
in Mississippi. We're big Southeastern Conference folks. I'm I'm a I'm a Roll Tide guy, you know. There there you go. Okay, so I can assure you, and and it's interesting you you say Roll Tide because, um, but Nick Saban said, you know, when they start changing for the next year is immediately after the previous year has been over. So if Alabama is going to win the national championship this year or Georgia or or whoever, I can assure you they're probably not going to win it with the wishbone offense, right? Mm. Mm. But if you go back 50 years ago, everybody, the top teams in the country, including Alabama, they won with the wishbone offense. That's right. Well, if it was good for 50 years ago, why would it not still be good today? So you have to adapt, you have to change, you have mm. to be willing to change, mm. um, which is a scary word sometimes. Um, our uh, our senior management team had inherited, um, you know, some financial issues, regulatory issues, operational issues. Uh, other than that, everything was smooth. But, um, um, but one thing that we recognized was we just had to change the way we were doing things. Yeah. You know, you can't expect a different result if you don't change. Mm. And, uh, and I, I, I think there's three things um, that can be detrimental to the company. You know, one is to say, it's not my job. Mm. Another to say, it's only one customer. Mm. And then another is to say, we've always done it that way. Mm, that's so good. Hmm. <laughs> Listeners, I hope you're writing those down. There have been so many nuggets in this interview. I hope you're capturing these because this is wisdom. Tommy, if you could share one piece of advice with the leaders who are listening today, what would that be? I would think just learn from your mistakes because mm. you're going to make them. You're yeah. not perfect. Um, what What is the saying um, when you think you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, so um, certainly allow other folks to share ideas and collective ideas creates enormous visions. And, mm. But, um, you know, just learn from your mistakes. As we say down south, don't get kicked by the same mule twice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well said. <laughs> Every leader I know loves collecting quotes and they remember things, they share things that they read or hear. Do you have a favorite quote that you'd love to leave the audience with? Oh, goodness. I have so many quotes. I, I guess one of my favorite, though, is if you say you can, if you say you can't, usually you're always right. Mm, Henry Ford. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I, I would, um, my my favorite, to me, the greatest leadership advice ever given um, mm-hmm. was, um, you know, back Solomon. One thing that Solomon asked for he had was his great wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the wisest man in the world. and yeah. God blessed him with it. Um, but it, as you go forward, you know, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines and he started doing the things that God said, don't do. And, um, which ultimately led in the, you know, um, the, the split of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so, um, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, Rehoboam was Solomon's son and Jeroboam, of course, was one of the, 
um, servants at one time. He worked his way up, and, and Jeroboam was over the 10 northern tribes, and Rehoboam was Solomon's son, and he took over after Solomon's death, and, and Rehoboam was over the two southern tribes, and um, which was called Judah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when, when Rehoboam, Jeroboam come with a group to Rehoboam, and he said, look, your dad was hard on us. Um, we're, we want you to be easier on us. And so we want to know how you're going to go forward. And Rehoboam said, give me three days and I'll give you a response. And so the first thing he done was he went to the elders mm. and he asked, said, what should I do? And here is the greatest to me, here is the greatest leadership advice ever given. And it comes from second, I mean, um, first Kings chapter 12, verse seven. And it says, they spake unto him saying, if thou wilt be a servant unto the people this day, Mm. and wilt serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. Mm. Of course, he's not talking about you know, getting down and brushing their shoes or whatever, but it's just taking someone by the hand and saying, how can I help? You know, let me serve you. How can I help? Of course, um, Jesus's leadership approach was unknown to mankind because he led by serving. So, I, you know, what they were saying here is lead by serving, be patient with people, speak nice to them, Mm. And they will serve you or in this case, they will follow you forever. Because the key thing is going back to the uh, definition of leadership to me is getting by him from the people. Tom, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yes, I would. By all means, buy William Attaway's Catalytic Leadership book. Um, I really enjoy the book, William. Um there are so many takeaways, so much truth, and you can tell you've you've studied and you've uh, interviewed folks and you've really um, put all that together. It's it's a great book. I, I really like it, and by all means, um, get William's book. I, the The part that just really jumps out at me, and especially in a sales environment like our business, um, is you say, you know, growth has to be pursued. It has mm-hmm. to be intentional. And uh, that is so true. Growth has to be pursued and it has to be intentional. Mm. Well, man, thank you. That's that very kind. I appreciate that. Tommy, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today and for sharing so generously with the people who are listening. I know our listeners are going to want to stay connected with you. What's the best way for them to do that? Oh, goodness. Um, I'm on Facebook, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, just look for Tommy Shambley. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, just look at look for look for the right one. I may have some folks out there that you know might not be a good connection. No, I'm kidding. Just, <laughs> it's, I'm I'm really. Or you can look at First American National Bank, and we're actually headquartered in in Iuka, Mississippi. And in, in, um, well, I will put all those connection links in the show notes, so folks can find you and stay connected and continue learning from you. Thank you so much for your time today, Tommy. Thank thank you, William. 
My goodness, there is so much wisdom that we just heard. I hope that you were taking notes. You can always go back and listen again. Jot down the things that jumped out at you that will help you in your own leadership journey. I want to thank you for joining me for this episode today. As we wrap up, I've got a request for you. I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss a new episode when it comes out. If you find value here, I'd love it if you would rate it and review it. That really does make a difference in helping other people to find this podcast. Second, if you don't have a copy of my newest book, Catalytic Leadership, if you'll go to catalyticleadershipbook.com, we'll give you one for free. You just pay the shipping so I can get it to you and we'll put one in your hands. My goal is to get this into the hands of as many leaders as possible. This book captures principles that I've learned in 20 plus years of coaching leaders, as well as from my own leadership journey. I want to help you to become better as a leader. This book is one of the tools that I use to help do that. You can always stay connected with me on LinkedIn. Just look for William Attaway to keep up with what I'm learning and thinking about currently. And if you're ready to take your next step with a coach to help you to grow and thrive intentionally, I'd be honored to be your coach. Just go to catalyticleadership.net and you can book a discovery call with me. Let's explore and see if it's a good fit. Now, stay tuned. Our next episode of the Catalytic Leadership Podcast will be next week. Until then, as always, leaders, choose to be catalytic. Thanks for listening to Catalytic Leadership with Dr. William Attaway. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. Want more? Go to catalyticleadership.net.